Well, welcome to today's edition on our Debriefing the Law podcast. I am excited to have this conversation today. I have, uh, I'm going to be talking with Paul Brennan. And the reason why I am excited and stoked about this conversation, he is living my dream. And I'll explain why here in just a bit. But hey, Paul, welcome to today's podcast. It's not often people say that they're excited to speak to me, so I'm very flattered. Oh, yeah, because your accent. Where, now, just tell the listeners where you are at right now. Uh, well, my accent is a British accent, but I live on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, live and work here. Um, I have a, a, we have a small practice. I practice with my wife in a kind of a, a seaside-type area. And uh, if it wasn't sort of pouring down with rain at the moment, you could switch to the webcam and see our beaches. I live in a place called uh, Budrum, which is near. I live. I work in Batinia, uh, um, and it's just next to Malula Bar and Noosa. You might know of. Now, so you, now you're in Australia. Now, I, I can tell you, I um, I, I dream of going to Australia. That is my dream vacation. I can't even imagine living. I have so many questions for you about what life is like in Australia. But uh, how about I'll, I'll start here. So you you said you're on the sunshine side of Australia. What what does that mean? No, I'm on the Sunshine Coast. It's all sunshine down here, although Melbourne's a bit more dismal than, than people would make out. But uh, it's all sunshine, so I live on the Sunshine Coast. Okay, and, uh, it's, right. it's long, sort of, uh, uh, sort of uh, sparsely populated beaches that go on for miles and miles. Uh, this time of year, there's lots of surfers out there, especially I think this, this rough weather will bring them all out. Uh, they describe the local sort of tradesmen as uh, as as the government surfing team because they they kind of uh, drop their tools and go off and uh, surf whenever ever they can. Nice, nice. Now, do you, do you surf? I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I I swim pretty poorly, but but it's all about lifeguards and sort of the uh, Baywatch sort of thing out on the beach. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful place to be. Now, if you were to leave your office right now, how many minutes would it take for you to be on the beach? Um, on the beach, uh, it would take about sort of five minutes. It, this place here wow. is, is quite sparsely, so 10 minutes anywhere, and you can be on the beach, and a very beautiful beach too. just goes on and on. Okay, next time we're going to do this via video, and I want you to be on the beach because I, I want to see that. Uh, that. Now, can you, can you uh, pronounce this word for me? Barbecue. If we're going to have a barbecue in Australia, how, how do they say that? Uh, it, well, from a British, but it would be barbecue. So that's the way we'd say it in, in the UK. So okay, I'm not quite UK, sure. I think Australians say it in the same way. Well, how do you say it over there? Well, barbecue, but I've always thought, like when we go to Outback oh, Steakhouse. Yeah, here. I know. They Bobby. say barbecue. Yeah, well, they are going to go have a barbie today. It's like, all right, well, my guess or whatever. But um, hey, and, it, it, everything's it, shortened over here. So like, say you have a, a rubbish collector or a garbage man will be called a garbo. Okay. All right. Good. Now I um uh, I have a friend who actually is from Australia and she lives here in the United States uh, on a kind of a permanent green card or whatever that's like. She has to renew it though every so often. Uh, but nonetheless, um, she says that the health food down there is amazing. Uh, as far as a lot of the crap that we eat here in the United States would never be allowed down there in Australia. Uh, do you see that as well? I mean, can you like go to the grocery store and buy our by Snickers candy bars and things like that? Or is it a more healthy place to live? 
Oh no! Look, certainly we can buy all that stuff. The all the uh, the chocolate stuff. That's uh, my okay. wife. My wife's in Liverpool, and she actually buys chocolate from the UK. So we do okay. uh, in Australia has, has everything. But one thing we do, which which you might not see over there, is that we have sniffer dogs at the airport to sniff out things like like one time it found a large Toblerone bar on me uh, or or fruit, uh, say apples or oranges being moved from state to state because uh, that's, uh, that's a problem over here. So you have sniffer, sniffer dogs not to sniff out drugs per se, but to sniff out chocolate bars and different kinds of fruit. Yeah, that's right. So, and they're, right. they're quite sort of a nice, sort of a, a good-looking sort of dog. They're not the sort of the large sort of Alsatian dog. They're the smaller ones. And they kind of wag their tail, and they will sit beside you wagging their tail if you have something yeah. on you, which they regard as contraband. Interesting. Well, the one one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation is you are uh, you have a fascinating life story. Now you're a lawyer. What what kind of law do you practice? What, what would be your specialty? Um, not really. Well, I'm, I guess I'd be called a, a general practitioner, and okay. so I do I do commercial work. I advise sort of uh, small to medium sized businesses. Um, I personally do a lot of uh, disputes. I do a lot of sort of will disputes. Um, I do intellectual property on the side, but that's kind of unusual uh, here. All right. um, so it's that sort of feel. What I don't do, I don't do any personal injury. I don't do any crime now. Um, okay. And I don't do any family work. It's that sort of practice. All right. Now, I wanted to, to kind of lay that out because you have a blog and you've written a book uh, entitled 101 Reasons to kill all the lawyers. So I thought it might be kind of, you know, apropos to find out what kind of law you practice to find out how did you come up with these reasons why to kill all the lawyers. So can you, um, by the way, for you listeners, I'm sure you're going to want to know this eventually. How can you find this blog? Well, uh, in the show notes to this podcast, uh, Brooke will put on how you can find 101 reasons to kill all the lawyers. There'll be a link there. But, of course, just Google it. Type it into your Google browser, 101 reasons to kill all the lawyers, and it will come right up. But, but Paul, how did, how did you come up with this idea to write a book on ways to kill lawyers? I, I got to find out why. Well, it, it started off with a, um, a a problem page. I don't know whether you have those in the US. I think you have uh, counselors. People would write into newspapers, and and uh, and there'd be a particular person called an agony aunt, and okay. that person would answer uh, questions. And so I started off an international legal problem page. And by the end, people were actually right sending in real questions. So then I rolled that. And so what I'd do is I'd have a, a person writing in saying something like, uh, my lawyer is so scruffy or so badly dressed. Uh, what can I do about it? And, uh, and I would answer it as the lawyer. And, uh, and so and you, you, I'd say things like that, uh, you know, I've seen sort of uh, tr- cases lost for one of a trouser press and, you know, tell him to, to, you know, you don't want Beau Brummel, but you'd like a lawyer who has a proper suit and tie. Right. And the idea was that, so from that, it seemed that, that people uh, were constantly criticizing lawyers. So if I took all the sort of various uh, crit- uh, criticisms they had and just dealt with them one by one. So that's how it started. So I made it 101 because I didn't want to pre- uh, depress all the lawyers by making it 1,001. And, <laughs> so um, many different reasons to kill the lawyers. Yeah, no, I guess, hey, thank you for that. And, and so what happened, in fact, the first one, the first one was I was reading The Economist 
and uh, they had a, uh, a description of it was President Musharraf at the mo- uh, that time in Pakistan. And what they had is actually lawyers demonstrating against him. I can't remember what he did, but he did something about the laws that lawyers found so repugnant okay. that they joined the demonstrators. And therefore, you had pictures on the newsreels of lawyers wearing suits, marching along, and some of them with sort of bleeding heads and things like that. So it was quite dramatic, and you kind of felt quite proud that lawyers were standing up finally because, of, and because you know, there's a lot of criticism of them. But at the right, same right. time, this article made it clear that on the other side of town, uh, there were lawyers uh, who were posing in police vans. So they were paying the police to go into their, 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 their vans that they would, they would arrest people and put them in. And there were lawyers' pictures with high fives and these women wearing these big designer glasses, these lawyers. and just So, so you had the two different sides of it, the lawyers uh, basically being very cynical and being in the van, but also uh, taking the, the, uh, the, the, the bruises from being in protest. So that was the first one. Now, so, so what were your, um, give me like, I don't know, maybe your, your top three uh, reasons uh, w- w- reasons to kill uh, the lawyers. Uh, do you, do you, uh, did you rank them that way? or do you, do you, Maybe not your top three, but just three that come to your mind. Give us some examples on, on some well, of your, your better reasons to kill all the lawyers. Okay. So well, what happened was, in the end, I came up with something called the Twelve. And I actually sort of listed them. So there was aggressive, pompous, tactless, confrontational, pedantic, expensive, unscrupulous, ruthless, negative, (laughs) devious, slow. So I put those as the 12. And what I posed was the fact that it was very difficult for we lawyers to keep up with such an exacting standard. And hence the reason that when you try to contact lawyers, they were never quite there because they were they they were concerned about how they it would be like a bit like the Wizard of Oz, you know, he was always right. behind the curtain because he couldn't stand up, and therefore we relied upon our receptionists to put across the the necessary aggression and unpleasantness that it w- would help. And so, and another one I did uh, I did about uh, receptionists, for instance, a receptionist for a lawyer. You know, where would you get them from? And what I suggested is that there would be training by, say, uh, say uh, medical receptionists, you know, who are always uh, seen as very aggressive and unpleasant for legal receptions to bring them up to the standard. Uh, and then I had a thing where, where obviously women were joining the profession. I think they're now over sort of uh, 50% in, in Australia. And um, obviously I, what I felt was that we had a very sort of, they made a very good start and we thought we might be able to add sort of scary to the list of things that, 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 that lawyers, people criticised lawyers for. But what we found is that, that, that women tended to have a less sort of, a, a more sort of nuanced stance and therefore you didn't quite know whether they were being aggressive and pompous and all the rest of it. And that was, we, I felt, the slippery slope. They were too sort of uh, uh, better more rounded than men in giving over these various 12 uh, problems that people found. So it went, it went on, and I, and I thought it was going to take, say, one a week or whatever. But in the end, it took about four years to drudge through all these various wow. things. And along the way, like, for instance, I was, um, say, you know, I did pets. Lawyers hate pets because, uh, you know, I know that I had a, an incident where my, my Labrador uh, I was playing with him and he managed to, he ran at me out of left field and knocked me over. So I fell okay. on my head. And so the idea was that about sort of pets and, and how do you kill a pet? Because quite honestly, like if you, if you try to kill a pet nowadays, uh, certainly say a cat, a cat is, is uh, uh, something which you, belongs to you. Therefore, it's possession. Therefore, you're entitled to kill it if you want. 
Okay. In Australia law, you can kill your cat if you want, just because it's your possession. It's a possession because it's a chattel. And so, but the whole thing was that, that if you kill it, say, you know, I think that, that probably, you know, putting it in a bucket of water, you know, that would be cruelty and therefore that would be against the law. <laughs> so just for the it, record, you cannot put your cat in a bucket of water. I want to be very clear here. We're saying that it's not okay. But, but, and also that maybe if you just smothered it whilst it was in its sort of comfy chair, you know, that even that in the cold light of the courtroom could be seen as, as cruelty. So therefore the only way, and I guess what we're trying to do here is we're trying to look at cynical ways to apply the law to, to get where you might want to go. So the only way to kill your cat really is to go to the vet and convince okay. the vet that your cat was sort of, uh, you know, sort of public enemy number one, and it was uh, attacking puppies and things like that. And so I, I used to have a cat with a sort of a permanent scowl on the face, who who the whole family hated for the whole time that it was it was alive. But if you could convince the vet, public enemy, then he would he would actually put the. the so that was the idea. So there were lots of sort of kind of advice like that along the way, uh, along these hundred. So, but at the end of the the hundred reasons that I I came to. And I came to a conclusion, and basically the, after four years, and the conclusion was that, that most people, they obviously they want their children to be lawyers, they like their own lawyers, and it's other people's lawyers they don't like. They're right. Like, uh, lawyer, lawyer nephews are particularly despised. So the idea was at the end of the day, people don't mind lawyers so much, uh, and uh, that was the conclusion I had. I agree with that. In fact, Abraham Lincoln, I found this quote from Abraham Lincoln back in 1850 where he basically said the same thing, which is there's this general idea that lawyers are necessarily dishonest, but then he went on to say that idea is kind of, um, you know, uh, it's abstract because everyone likes their own lawyer. Uh, yeah, hey, we, uh, it's the uh, it's the other person's lawyer that that's a that's a scoundrel or a scumbag. But you know, we all like our own lawyer, so maybe lawyers quite are aren't so bad. Fascinating. All right, so you you have these hundred and one reasons, which you say could be a thousand and one reasons to kill lawyers, uh, and you, and you mentioned the fact that lawyers. <laughs> like to kill pets i'm just i'm the reason why i'm, I'm kind of smiling is um my dog is i, I have a lab uh, as well uh, mine's a black lab uh but she's kind of getting to that age where we're starting to think about is it time to put her to sleep or not and then we're gonna have that unpleasant conversation with the vet when the vet's looking at us kind of like Really? Do you really need to put this dog to sleep? You are just a vicious dog owner. We're going to strip you of all rights to, to own pets in the future. Uh, so we're going to have that awkward conversation. Hey, uh, do you have another idea, another reason why people would want to kill uh, lawyers? I think that what it did, it just sort of moved it through the various sort of um, uh, things. Like for instance, I know when you come across some lawyers they, you know, obviously in private practice, every time I have a conversation with another lawyer, there's possibly material there. And uh, I had one incident where there was this right. uh, lawyer, lawyer from the city, from Sydney, and uh, he got his secretary to call me up. And uh, she got me to hold on the line when he wouldn't lose any precious seconds. And he, uh, so precious oh, I seconds. hate so, that. And, and he would keep me on the line and then he would come on. And what I managed to do was, in between the, the secretary saying, please hold on the line, I managed to transfer my line to my secretary. <laughs> so when he came on the line, she was waiting there. And I always felt that's... But that's a Seriously? Of, you, you did that? Yeah. And so, but that's, oh, that's a you're of, my hero. 
Oh, you're my hero. I love that. But that's the sort of legal drama you don't get on TV. You know, that happens all the time in lawyers' office. But I came across another lawyer who was who was representing that I was doing some development work. I was acting for a developer, and we're trying to put three houses together, uh, just buy the three houses and get them under a conditional contract so that they're all ready if we could find uh, someone to do the development for us. And uh, I came across a lawyer who just hated developers. Now, he, he'd been okay. instructed by his clients to deal with me, the lawyer for the developer, and he put the telephone down me. And it was quite obvious he hated everything about developers at all. And there he was sort of in a case where he had to kind of negotiate and deal with it. Right. Was, it was just strange. And say so in, in Queensland, we are, and I don't know how it is in Kansas, but in Queensland, we're all very small practitioners. So you have okay. lawyers who are single firms and they are lords and everything they survey, which is fantastic because what you do is you don't have large law firms where the lawyers at the bottom might be a bit worried about upsetting anybody. The lawyers in Queens are not worried about upsetting anybody, and they will defend their clients to the uh, to the end. So it's that sort of that sort of feel about it here that, that they're very not not necessarily aggressive, but just generally they will look after their clients' interests and not be swayed by. Um, by financial reasons or anything like that. And I think generally I feel that that's the way that lawyers are across the board in terms of, you know, if we were all in marketing, for instance, we would have, or sales, we would have great business to try and uh, try and convince people to go into litigation. But in fact, right. what we do is we spend all our time talking out. And in fact, we mentioned Abraham Lincoln. It was Abraham Lincoln who talked about discouraged litigation as business enough for all of us. So okay. small practice, small practice, like I do some defamation and uh, I have people calling here and they will say that they were uh, on TV last night. They were on some sort of investigative program and they want to see a lawyer straight away that day. And when uh, it says, yes, please come in, but it's going to cost you a couple of hundred dollars for half an hour or whatever. Well, they don't want to do that. And therefore, I have solved their legal problem straight away. They just don't need to have a lawyer to give them tea and simply about that particular issue. And I think a lot of lawyers are the same. And I guess that, that what we tend to do is we tend to do things by by the billable hour because that's right. a way, I guess, to, to, to determine how much, uh, how much our time is worth. Because a lot of people would like to talk to someone for to, to get sort of, I know, just sympathy about their matter. But whether they're prepared to pay for it or not, I think is the is the defining factor. Well, the billable hour, I that has to be one of your 101 reasons to kill a lawyer. I, I definitely can see that that fitting in there somewhere, or maybe the thousand and one reasons uh, to kill a lawyer. Well, but look, I got to tell it, you, look, sorry, carry on. Oh, I, I was going to say you, you, you're my hero. I, I cannot wait to try that when I, I get someone on the phone. And I might even just disguise my voice like I'm—I I don't have a secretary, but I'll—I'll I'll just make it up like I'm a secretary. Well, please hold, uh, Mr. Oster will be on the line here in just a minute. I'll go uh, get him right now. I, I can't wait to try that. That is—that is—that is on my bucket list of things to do right now. Well, I—I we I, I dealt with billable hours too, and what. Uh, what it was is is that when you look at sort of what see basically lawyers have been doing the same thing for centuries, and uh, you know we've all tried to uh, you know we tried to have sort of uh, different modes of trial because people didn't want sort of to spend all the money on trials, so therefore we kind of had a thumbs up thumbs down sort of thing, and uh, when that's what people are, I think if people would spend about five thousand dollars each way on a trial, I think they'd be very happy to go forward with it in a civil right. trial but it's not like that because it's such a lottery and it's a, it's a casino going into it and so the idea was that during this 101 reasons i suggested other ways 
and uh, you know the idea of having uh, basically a flip of a coin. And uh, I felt that at least some lawyers would be more than 50% right, and that would be a definite improvement in some corners if you just had a, a flick of a coin in any particular legal argument. Um, I also I had uh, a lot of stuff on billable hours in terms of, you know, in the modern way, it would be better if firms, rather than doing uh, billable hours, just called for donations. So you'd, your clients would be very impressed and very pleased, and probably you would get a lot more clients if you just ask people just to donate what they thought it was worth. That would be, hey, that'd be, that'd be a great idea. I'm thinking of some, what, what is that website where you can do donations? Uh, uh, fund, uh, GoFundMe, maybe a GoFundMe oh, page go, for, go for lawyers. Me, yeah. <laughs> right, right, we, we can do that. Uh, and now, I, I'm, so you mentioned billable hours, so I, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm just kind of curious about this right now. In Australia, the in America, the general rule is Every side pays their, each side pays their own legal fees. Now there are some exceptions. Uh, if 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 there's a, you're suing under a particular law and that law allows the prevailing party to recover attorney's fees, but that's an exception. The general rule is each side pays their own uh, lawyer fees. Is that true in Australia, or does the loser have to pay the winner's fees? Well, in, in most places, obviously, the common law came up through the UK anyway, so there's lots and lots of different countries applying the common law standards. And mostly outside America, you do actually have a notion of costs. So if you, the winner gets their costs, that's the general okay. rule. But the costs are on a court scale. So the costs are about, say, 60, 65, 70% of the money that you should get. But having said that, probably as in America, about 99 point, you know, so whatever cases actually settle at, uh, at some sort of mediation. Right. Um, it wasn't like that when I first started. And when I first started, you'd start the action and put the file in the, 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 the cabinet for three years and it would come out. Now what happens is you get it going and then you have a mediation pretty quickly after some sort of dis discovery of documents. And often that, uh, that helps. But yes, there's always the thread of costs over here. And it does actually make sort of people focus on on the on the problem at hand rather than. Uh, but it, judges are getting worse and worse over here in terms of, uh, say, in uh, in will disputes type things. They are are really sort of uh, are being very upset with lawyers charging too much fees because the, the deceased only had so much to leave, and right. the legal fees can often outweigh what because uh, the legal fees often come out of the estate itself, and so it oh can leave very, yeah. it can leave very little money left. On, I on often hear that the only winning party in a lawsuit will be the lawyers, uh, and that's a, that's a sad reality. So, yeah, you wish more. Hey, that's another one of your reasons, well, 101 reasons to kill lawyers. Get your hands out of the pot. Uh, if there's a, there's a will, there's an estate, keep in mind the total value of what we're, we're fighting over, and let's hope that the, the, the only winning parties at the end of the day are not the lawyers collecting their fees. Um, but but well, I, I think I think but then then of course you have to go on to the actual dynamics of any particular family, and what I found is the actual and this was part of the thing that that that, uh, that the stereotypes do apply. You know you do have the freckless sort of daughter-in-law sitting on the couch and eating sort of chocolates right. all day, watching daytime TV, who turns into the into the the the, the mother-in-law. Who, uh, who who hates the daughter-in-law and makes their life a misery, and so and you do have the stereotypes that there's there's the father who who spends all this time trying to sort of save money and and the rest of the family spend it and whatever is brought in, how much he brings in gets spent straight away right. in, in the classic. So when you apply those stereotypes.
stereotypes. It gets down to about 10 things that, uh, that, that people have in problems in families as far as the disputes are concerned. But, but it's difficult for the lawyers to, 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 to save the costs when people sometimes are at each other's throats. And, and that's, that's, that's the problem. Now, when it comes to lawyer commercials in America, there are some crazy outlandish lawyer commercials. Uh, for some reason, lawyers love to compare themselves to hammers, and, and there's a lot of yelling and screaming, and, and it's almost like it's been its own thing here in America, these crazy lawyer commercials. Do they have those same kind of commercials there in, in Australia, or are the commercials there pretty tasteful for lawyers? Well, I think... I think they're. I think they're probably more tasteful, and I don't. In in personal injury matters, there's a lot more uh, advertising than there would be else elsewhere. No, they're they're much, they're much more tasteful. And the idea is that a lot of us spend a lot of time talking our clients out of uh, of, of litigation, and uh, right. and and that's sort of, there's a big focus on that because uh, often over when I started, obviously you know I knew what people's problems were before they actually sat down in the chair in front of me, and now um, you know my own problems baffle me and, and and other people's problems just have to be thought about a bit more and so right. uh, i think that um you know and i i i feel that um that i'm not in a sales role what i am i'm looking at a person to try and give them the best legal advice i can and uh you only tend to part, part of the thing i was doing is obviously when i started down this path of writing uh humorously about the law i had two divided one was towards uh, um, uh, lawyers, which we're talking about today, but the other one was towards uh, people. And uh, the idea is that they go on to lawyers, they have certainly preconceived notions as if they want someone to, to rush out and sort of rush up against the wire for them. But that tends to be expensive. And having sort of one size fits all uh, right. doesn't necessarily fit your particular personality. And uh, for instance, you know, it, it seems to me that that that. Uh, so at one stage, I suggested they have, um, you know, you, you have these sort of, you know, you have America's Got Talent and things like that. Well, you right. could actually have because what what we're finding is that that our clients won't necessarily go the distance. You know, they're too conservative. And what you need is a, is a group of people who are ready to spend money endlessly and really have good disputes. So if you had an American Got Talent approach you draw in sort of potential litigants to a particular hotel room or a forum, uh, a a theatre one day, get them to say what their ideas were. And the people who win, you would give them the money from the TV sort of uh, royalties to actually go out and and commence some real litigation. Because uh, lawyers, I'm sure it's the same in Canvas, that that when you have clients sitting before you who, who could go bankrupt because they want to sue well, clients are always picking the wrong people to sue as well. They always want to sue neighbours and things like that. Right, Whereas right, right. really, they should sue people who don't know where they live or, or, or whatever. <laughs> they should fight with people who don't know where they live because the repercussions can be difficult. Now, Paul, you might have stumbled on a really good idea there. I've always been wondering about why do we not have a reality TV series or show Involving the law. I mean, we, we do for almost every other thing out there. Uh, you know, I, I, real estate, uh, you know, doctors, police, whatever. Why not the for, for lawyers? And maybe a, a a reality TV series like America's Got Talent, but maybe America's Got a Lawsuit or something. They, they come to us and you just kind of pick between the crazy lawsuits and not so crazy lawsuits. 
Paul, you might be onto something there. That actually might be a good idea. We're going to have to see if that one has some legs. Um, now, on on your title, I, I am curious. I, I assume you're familiar with Shakespeare's line in Henry VI, where Shakespeare wrote this line, the first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. And, and when Shakespeare, when the, whenever the actor delivered that line, I bet the audience was wearing stitches. Yeah, what a great idea. Let's kill all the lawyers. Did that line inspire your the title for your book, or are they, are they just separate concepts? Oh, no, no, th- that line inspired me, and I've always seen that line out of Henry VI, is to say that I think it was, um, I can't remember the, the character, but it was in, during, there was a revolt, and uh, right. basically one of the people, I think it was, uh, was he, someone butcher, I think, uh, said that let's kill all the lawyers, and that to me is seen as uh, let's kill, kill the lawyers because they are the sort of people to stand in the way of, of people, who, of the mob, and, um, yes. and, and and that has happened over the years. Obviously, the, the trouble with, with lawyers is that, that you get... Uh, you know, sort of uh, one lawyer defending someone who's uh, who might win or lose, but then you've actually got another lawyer prosecuting them. So what's a very, very bad result for one lawyer is a very good result for another lawyer. That's, that's right. And so um, and, and as you pointed out, it, while that line probably was funny and it was, it was comedy, it's, it's a great line, it actually implies that lawyers do a great service to society. We are the protectors against anarchy because the idea was we want to create anarchy in this region. In order to do that, we've got to get rid of the lawyers. The lawyers are apparently the safeguards against anarchy because we like to fight over what is the definition of is. So, all right, well, hey, uh, it's a great uh, book, very interesting um, uh, blog there, uh, 101 Ways or Reasons to Kill All the Lawyers. Uh, you can see that on our site as far as get the, 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 the link to, uh, to uh, look at that. All right, I am curious. I want to talk a little bit about life in Australia. Uh, and so a lot of different things are fascinating to me about Australia. So, hey, I got you on the line here. Might as well ask you some questions. Uh, let's start off here with um, what what is your law like? So, for example, do you have judicial review there uh, in Australia? In other words, in America, a judge can say, you know what, Congress passed this law. I don't like this law. I think it's unconstitutional. And so we, I'm going to throw out this law. So co- our Congress can pass a law and one judge can throw out the entire law. Can, can, can that happen there in Australia? Um, I don't know about one judge, but I think that, yes, I guess it would start with one judge. Yes, look, that, that's the same thing applies. But okay. when, when, we, when we see uh, uh, an American sort of TV drama, we know exactly where it is with the courtroom because, you know, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the Westminster system and the, and the uh, and UK law went all around the world. So wherever you are, I used to travel around Asia quite a lot, and you'd go to these courts and they would be very, very similar. So, so that's what's being applied. So the idea of judicial review would not only be right in Australia, but New Zealand, in Malaysia, in, uh, okay. in Hong Kong, Singapore, and lots and lots of other sort of countries around the globe. So it's a very similar, similar concepts. Your contract law, I think, would probably be, and let's face it, we are actually dealing with people. So it's not, it's not the case that obviously the law can change on one word, but basically in sort of at a high level, 
it's, you're dealing with very similar issues. I was sitting in a court in Taiwan, and it was a criminal court, and uh, this poor defendant sort of moved into the dock, and he looked exactly like any other defendant in any other place. And the, defen the defense counsel was there, and he was sort of the way he was, and the, the prosecuting counsel was this ingratiating person, and the judge was cranky. So it was very similar, although they were speaking a foreign language, and that wasn't even under the common law system. That was under, I don't know, the Taiwan follows, follows a German system, I think. Interesting. All right. So um, uh, now you, you you mentioned contract law. Uh, I know we have like a, a like a, if the French model, New Orleans follows that, and Louisiana follows that somewhat, where you have a you know, a code. Um, but I assume there in in Australia, then you have a constitution that's your supreme law, and then you have you have, you have uh, uh, but you don't have states in under Australia, right? I mean, Australia is just one country. Uh, and are, are, is Australia divided up in various states or provinces? Yeah, look, it is. It's I'm in the state of Queensland, so it is. It's a federal system, very much like okay. the U.S. system. So they haven't, right. and they haven't got that in the U.K. So consequently, our um, it was quite controversial that various states would have lockdowns here, and uh, and the government didn't seem to be able to do very much about it. So ah, okay. the, uh, or the, the federal government. So we did. It's very similar. It's it's amazing, and I think that the, the interesting part is being I've worked in various countries, and uh, it's very you have desk computer, you have clients. You have sort of human nature and the laws are pretty much the same. So you can travel all around the world as a lawyer and you'll pick it right. up. When you speak to another lawyer in another country, they, you speak the same language. Do you know of any major uh, dissimilarities between American law and Australian law that just strikes you? Or is that just kind of an off-the-wall question? I would think I would think it would be the one that you've already touched upon. It's the costs sort of side of things, and okay. uh, I think that the rest of the world worries about cases being moved to America because you have a an international jurisdiction. For instance, you know if a if a plane goes down in Australia, very soon you'll find the case ending up uh, in uh, in the Chicago. I can't remember which Chicago district it is, but it'll be there. And uh, and you'll worry about the level of costs that a, a jury might uh, might award. Also, I think that you have your juries determine. Do you, does your juries determine the level of costs? Whereas in here, that's left to the judge. Usually, that's the judge. In a lot of these cases, it's after the fact, and you you apply to the judge to order. Um, uh, and for us, actually, costs are different than fees. So in America, when you talk about costs, you're talking about uh, deposition costs. We had to pay a court reporter for copies, uh, you know, a mailing costs and things like that. As compared to fees, and fees is, is different. And so, yeah, even though you might see in almost all of our cases where costs will be included, that does not include attorney's fees. Uh, attorney's fees right. would be different than that, and that's where you had to have a, some kind of statutory right to recover attorney's fees. <laughs> All right. That's an interesting sound there in the background. What what are we listening to? Oh, that's just the birds. There's a bird's nest really? outside my window here, yeah. Wow. That those are birds. In in, in Australia you have have all these sorts of animals that are trying to kill you. Now, you'll have uh, in our garden, uh, I've met a kangaroo in the middle of the road who was almost as tall as me. I, you know, in my garden, there was a, a stake, which was a uh, was very, very large stake in a tree. So you tend, I tend not to go down the garden so often. You don't know what's going to happen. The spiders here are so deadly. So, really? And obviously in the water, you've got the sharks who take people out every so often. 
That is one loud bird. I mean, I'm hoping that sound comes through on the audio so our listeners can pick up on that bird. You're saying that bird is outside your window and is still making that kind of noise. Yeah, that's right. And you you have sort of lots of parrots making lots of noises here. You have the alligators up in, uh, the crocodiles up in uh, uh, the Northern Territories. Now, have you ever ever went crocodile hunting? Never. No, have you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So when we lived in Florida, now not crocodiles, alligators. I know they're they're, they're fundamentally different, but I used to live in Florida. And uh, and so there were these retention ponds that almost every subdivision has. And we lived in a subdivision that backed up into Lake Jessup, which is where... All of the wildlife authorities would dump the alligators after they caught them. So we had a ton of alligators that made their way into our retention pond. And one time there was even one in our backyard. So uh, but my, I would go out with my sons and we would go out there looking for alligators. Um, and so but I think they're, they're much less aggressive and they're all under six feet. If they were really big, then they, they would just destroy them. Uh, it was only the small ones that they would uh, uh, let back into the wild, but... I also found it pretty interesting that the alligators were afraid of me. It was the weirdest thing. So one time I went to this retention pond and I was with my wife and our, 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 our two boys. And so I was back there in the, in the truck. Uh, and so my wife was there and there's an alligator resting on top of the water, just looking at my wife and, and my sons. And then when I started walking towards the pond, the alligator then dipped and went underneath the water. I thought, oh man, the, the alligator is going away. So I'd back up the alligator would come back up to the top of the water. And every time I'd come forward, the alligator would go down. I would step back. The alligator would come back up. And it dawned on me, I was too big. The alligator was afraid of me, but apparently thought my wife and kids were fair game. I don't know. And so apparently my size uh, scares them away. What about about, uh, kangaroos? I mean, we hear about kangaroos there in Australia all the time. Is that a, is that a thing? Do you guys see them in the in the wild or in your yeah. neighborhoods? Yeah, well, no, we we have kangaroos around here. So at my kids' school, there was a whole load of kangaroos in the playground. So there's quite a lot. Kangaroos are not very bright, though. Um, I don't know what those sort of. Uh, they tend to be. Um, was a, uh, a, uh, there was a series in the. I think in the 60s, they were called Skippy. I don't know whether that got over to America. No, no, no. Anyway, so it was a, the, the star of the show was kept in a bag by the side of the set. That was the, uh, the, uh, the problem there because they're just not very bright. All right, well, hey, thank you so much for your time. Oh, uh, what, two other things I want to run by you here before I, I let you go. I am curious. We talked about a little bit about this before we, we started recording. Uh, I am curious as to what... Other people think of America. So you're there in Australia, and I, I, I've already, I've been on the record saying I envy you. I want to go to Australia. I want to have a vacation home in Australia. But um, what do you think about what do Australians think about Americans? Um, what do Australians think about America? Well, I, th- I, th- I, th- I feel this is a very similar country in a lot of ways. Americans, to all of us, are uh, they, they look the same sort of people, but but they're, they're not. And it's only when you get to know them a bit more, you realize they're coming from a completely different uh, different angle to you. And uh, I think it's because maybe all the different sort of countries coming together to make to make American. Well, my experience in America was um, um, I, uh, I went to a summer camp in America. I remember that people, uh, I would speak to people and they would say, I'd say a joke and they'd always right. say, 
that went completely over my head. And so, <laughs> so I, I, I took it from that. These poor Americans have got no sense of humor at all. And they were you just acknowledging it when I realized after a while, it meant that I just was not funny. Um, but my, my, my first, I know that's not true. Well, I, I think, so. well, obviously I, we're all, all with American comedians, you know, right from sort of Bob, Bob Hope and sort of uh, uh, the, the Marx Brothers uh, and to, to all the various other, just fantastic Bob Newhart and uh, right. all those sorts of comedians were uh, all, all fans of mine. My first time in New York was I went to this American summer camp and they, they dropped us off in, in New York on, on the way there. And we had to stay in, I had to stay on my own in a hotel in, uh, on 42nd Street. At the time, um, New York had a very, very sort of, uh, 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 it was a very dangerous city as far as we could see. And maybe it was uh, enhanced by all the TV shows that we saw. And so when I had to go out for dinner, I looked out and followed someone down the street, the local diner just behind them, went into it. But on my way back, um, I, I guess I got more sort of confidence and I went into a drugstore. And I went up to a guy there and said, you know, you know, do you have a toothbrush? And he was just so aggressive. And I guess we knew that uh, New Yorkers were known to be aggressive. And he so growled at me. And so then I, I went around and I went up to him again and asked for something else. And again, he growled at me. And so I went up for a third time and I realized what he's saying was, God damn it, could you not ask someone who works here? And I thought, <laughs> anyway, that was my impression of New York. <laughs> Hilarious. All right. Well, um, hey, and lastly here, I got to know, what is... Because I ask all the other people who come on uh, as guests on this podcast, I always ask them, what is your favorite lawyer movie? I'm always looking out for new lawyer movies to review. And I'm, if someone actually mentions one that I'm not aware of, I like to watch it and review it. But what is your favorite legal movie? My favorite, I'm just thinking about what my favorite movies are. And I guess the first one would be The Great Outdoors uh, was a great movie. I don't know whether you ever saw that or uh, no. or another one that, that's that's been, great outdoors it was john candy and uh okay. he was uh he was going out to one of those sort of conventional american holidays where you go out to the great outdoors he was shay it's, it's fantastic movie okay right and uh there's also uh one by gerard dapadu dapadu uh where he uh, my father the hero which i really like again it's uh the uh the, the father under stress because of his teenage uh, child um, but I think my mostly my, my favorite. The trouble is with legal movies. I, as a lawyer, to watch a sort of the tight courtroom drama, having had right. some of my own, it doesn't really have the same pull to it. So what I tend to do is to go towards the injustices. And the one that really springs to mind is one that I haven't even seen yet, which is uh, an officer and a spy, which is all okay. about the, the Dreyfus affair. And um, that's had uh, that movie's had problems, sort of, because I guess Roman Polanski's involved in it. But the idea of of the Dreyfus and uh, that whole story, uh, I think, suggests why why I like being a lawyer, and maybe many people do. It's just that fighting injustice. So you're saying officer and a spy? Yeah, it's uh, right. there's a book by Robert uh, Robert uh, Harris uh, who wrote the book. It's a fantastic book about the Dreyfus affair. And if you don't know, if anybody you don't know about it, it's just a good one to look up. All right, I'm looking it up right now, and then I will put it on my list here of movies to watch. There you go; it just it came up there. So, uh, now I I got to ask because um, I did run across a lawyer movie that I love, and and no one's ever heard of it here in America. It's because it's an Australian-based movie called Castle. 
Have, have you heard of Castle? Do you know, uh, The Castle is, is the most famous movie here, and I'm afraid really? I haven't actually seen it, but I must watch it. Apparently, it's fantastic. It You're is right. hilarious. If you like dry humor, which I love dry humor, it is funny. Uh, and so there is a line that I play for all my classes uh, where he is asked, uh, the, the the lawyer who is um, arguing this eminent domain matter is asked, what is what is your authority for your argument? Uh, can, you, can you point us to your, your authority? And he stumbles around and says, Your Honor, it, it's the vibe of the thing. It's just the vibe <laughs> of the Constitution. It is a hilarious line, and I cannot wait to try that in court someday when I'm asked, well, Mr. Oster, what is your authority? Your Honor, it's just it's just the vibe of the Constitution. You gotta get jiggy with the vibe. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna try that one of these days, and then I'm sure I will be disbarred. But that has actually been used in cases over here. The reference to the vibe really? has been used in cases. Yeah, Hell, you, you got to watch it. It is it is a hilarious movie. If you like I dry humor, it. which I do, uh, but it is a great movie. All right. Well, hey, Paul, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate talking to you. I know I am heading off to bed, and you are heading off to work. <laughs> there, it's a totally end of the spectrum here. But nonetheless, thank you for uh, working with our schedule and and uh, talking with me today. And and uh, I, is there some sign off in Australian? I, I can't think of what that might be. Uh, a sign off. I guess good day. Good day. All right. That works for me. All right. Good day. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Paul. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>